0: One of the things that makes Coast to Coast AM truly special is that the program never stops. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, and we know that it's almost impossible to catch every episode when it airs because sometimes life gets in the way. But if you become a Coast Insider, you'll never have that problem again. You can listen to last night's show and any program from the past five years of Coast to Coast, anytime, anywhere you want. Never miss a program again by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up to become a Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. You have uh, perused the Bible like no one else, and you keep looking for new facts and information, and you keep finding them. How do you keep finding them?
1: You know, George, that's the craziest thing. I've read the Bible through cover to cover probably at least 100 times, probably more. I have, you know, some 100,000 hours of study in the Bible, but there's just something about it, George. Every time you read it, you seem to find something else or notice something else, especially as you get a little more adept at the original languages. And I think as you get a little more adept and a little more mature and being able to not only just read the the black and white, if you will, but to be able to pick up on spiritual nuances and to let the, you know, the many people believe the Bible's a living document, that it has, uh, you know, life and vibrance in it. And after reading it so many times and finding new things almost each and every time, I would have to agree that it is a supernatural book. I take a lot of heed of being somebody that hates the Bible, and that's not true at all. I mean, I'm probably to the place where I'm thinking it's, maybe 75 percent man-made 25 percent divine but i'll tell you what george back when i believed a hundred percent of it i didn't have the strength of faith and the belief in the divine that i do today Mm -hmm. after all of this study
0: and when you start talking to the divine and we'll get into that of course you always have to ask that question what was the beginning and jeffrey i don't have an answer for that
1: you know george it's especially interesting Uh, for those of us that, you know, are uh, listeners to this show and, you know, those of us that have the the honor and privilege of being on it. And the one thing that always came up in my mind, George, is, you know, whoever or whatever we believe God is, God or the gods came here and created the heavens and the earth, right? That's right. And the question that's always popped up in my mind, George, is if they came here to create this place, where did they come from?
0: That's right. And, and how did they get here?
1: And how did they get here? And, you know, and it's very interesting. Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, there's actually seven uh, places outside of Earth that are mentioned, uh, a couple of planets and five star systems. And what I found very interesting was that there's a lot of tradition that teaches that there are seven Elohim or seven gods of creation and I, I just wonder if it was more than just a coincidence that the Old Testament would list seven extraterrestrial destinations and also teach that there's seven Elohim. So interesting. So I find that very interesting. A lot of lot of the interesting speculation there, for sure.
0: Well, you know, in the old saying that God always was and always will be, doesn't that sound like time itself?
1: You know, that's a great point. And I've actually was talking with my son about that over the past six months or so, that you know, does God stand outside of time? Is God time? There's a lot of of stuff to think about there, George, but I think that you've hit on something there, and I think as the more we learn and the more we discover that we're starting to realize and understand that God and time, there's a very unique relationship there, and there's probably something that we don't completely have a, a grasp on, but there's certainly a lot of room for growth and understanding, and lots of early morning, interesting conversation.
0: Jeffrey Doherty, our special guest. One of his books, by the way, Final Message of the Last Apostle, Alien Agenda in the New Testament. And we're going to be deciphering Genesis based on Jeffrey's interpretation and go through that. And, of course, in our final hour, we flip the switch and open up the phone lines to give you an opportunity to talk with him. And his website is his name, which is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. When when you started your work, what did your colleagues, your peers, your friends, did they challenge you? Did they think you were crazy? What did they think, Jeffrey?
1: Probably all the above, George. It was it was very <laughs> interesting to me. <laughs> it was very interesting because I was, you know, at the time, uh, you know, kind of a hot shot evangelist, and everybody wanted to, you know, be my buddy, and everybody wanted to get a, a letter of recommendation. And then, uh, you know, my wife decided she didn't want to be married anymore, and in my denomination, you had to step down for three years, and all of a sudden, I went from being, you know, one of the great guys to, you know, being, you know, pretty much analogous to a leper, and you you find out in times like that who your friends really are, and most of the people, you know, ran like roaches when you turn on a light, and there were two men, and, you know, there's still pastors today. One's named Tom O'Haver. He's a pastor in Washington State, and Brian Larson's a pastor in Spokane, Washington. If you ever need help and you're in those areas, those are two guys that, even though we don't agree with anything much anymore, those are two men of God that will be there to help you. And I, you know, we're still friends today. But most people shunned me and yeah, really uh, turned, turned me, the, and they gave me. And when you get when you come into church, they call it the right hand of fellowship, George, and I got a, the left foot of fellowship at that
0: point. Oh, gosh. They turned that much? Wow, that badly?
1: overnight, George, and it was just, it was literally night and day. And I became, I went from being, you know, everybody's buddy to being, you know, being anathema. It really was that bad. I mean, Ichabod was written, you know, on my forehead, the glory was departed in everybody's uh, mind.
0: That's unfortunate that some people have to do that and act that way. You you lose faith in humanity when stuff like that happens.
1: It is unfortunate. I agree. But, you know, I always say that It was probably, in the midst of it, I wouldn't have said this, but being here where I am now, that whole situation was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, It sounds weird to say, but I think the Divine was more interested in my long-term health than it was particularly in my marriage, and being able to have to make that part of a break pushed me to go back and forget everything that I had been taught forget everything I had been fed, and go back to the original languages on my own. And there's one thing I can say now, George. The things that I believe, I can give you chapter and verse for every single one of them. I don't have any tenets to defend, no doctrines to defend, no churches to defend. I'm simply here to try to ferret out what the—try the, to find what the original message of the Christ was— communicate that to the world, and let people do with it what they may.
0: Beautiful. Back around 2010, the term Mandela Effect popped up, and that's a phenomenon in which a large group of people share the same false memories of past events. And you and I talked about this when you were with me a year and a half plus ago. You still working on that? Do you still looking at that effect?
1: No, it's interesting that you asked that, George, and... Uh, that's something I got kind of dragged into kicking and screaming. I didn't really want to be a part of it. I'm not really a, a, a cultural event type of guy. But I became convinced when I finally did take a look at it that the prophet Daniel, in very exacting language, did predict the Mandela effect and predicted that it would be uh, happening in order to distract people, in order to create a diversion, And to try to keep people from coming into greater and deeper knowledge, and interesting that you asked, because again, with my my YouTube channel, lots of subscribers, and it's so great because they send you a lot of good information and ask a lot of great questions. And just um, wasn't even um, over a week ago that I received some, what to me was very startling information relating to... Uh, the Mandela Effect. Did you want me to share that real quick? Yeah,
0: please. And also tell us how people can see you on YouTube.
1: All you do is just uh, go on and look up Jeff Darty show on YouTube, or just put in Jeff Darty or put in Christian Whistleblower on YouTube, and it'll pop right up. Uh, we're fortunate to have a pretty good group there. So,
0: And let me it's spell your last name for everybody, Jeffrey. It's D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. It's no, not an O. D A U G H E-R-T-Y. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Absolutely. And it was hard enough to spell until that singer Daughtry came along and really messed things up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right.
1: But, uh, but I, I got, Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead? No, no. Go ahead. I got some very interesting information, and of course, I believe, as we talked about in the last show, that Daniel identified the being that we call the Lord as being the person that's perpetrating of the Mandela effect, at least in, in Daniel's view. And so I try to focus, you know, my dealings with the Mandela effect around things that would be affecting that. And somebody sent me some pictures, and if it couldn't get any more strange, George, one of the main pictures of this particular statue is a picture with Lady Diana or Princess Diana in it. So if it can't be strange enough, now we have to bring uh, Princess Diana in as well. But the Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil I know this sounds crazy, and I've studied this thing up and down and back and forth, and it really seems like, George, from 2001 until today, that that statue is at least one-third taller, maybe more. And if you can explain that, I'm all ears. But if you look at that thing when Diana was standing in front of it, look at it now on Google Earth, and I've spent hours on this, George, and that statue, that Christ Redeemer statue, I'm telling you, It certainly looks to me, now I haven't been to Brazil to check it out, but it certainly looks like that statue is not the same statue that it was in 2001. How strange is that?
0: Like it's grown?
1: Like it has actually grown. I mean, if you look at it when Diana was there. Weird. It was a good-sized statue, but it is now towering, and it is at least, in my opinion, from what I've been able to discern, at least one-third taller than it used to be, maybe even more, and it just literally blows my mind. But that might not even be the most crazy thing that I've heard recently. Some I've received a lot of information about the Statue of Liberty, George, believe it or not.
0: What's happening and, with that?
1: Well, the reason that that caught my eye is because a lot of people believe that the Statue of Liberty is a depiction of Venus, And in the Scripture, the Old Testament, Venus is tied to the Lord, and that's one of those seven places that we talked about earlier. And again, you look at this on Google Earth, I've looked at this, there's thousands and thousands of pictures on Instagram, Flickr, Facebook. It could be the world's largest uh, Photoshop hoax, but we're talking thousands and thousands of pictures, George, of people that had their picture taken with the Statue of Liberty on Ellis Island. But of course, today, in our reality, the Statue of Liberty is not on Ellis Island. It's on Liberty Island. But George, there are thousands and thousands of pictures of people standing on Ellis Island right by this place. It looks like there should be a statue there saying, you know, their captions are, I'm posing with the Statue of Liberty, me and the Statue of Liberty. And George, it's them and nothing. It's not nothing <laughs> open water. And
0: I don't think it was ever moved, at least from there to
1: there. No, it was not ever moved, but again, it comes up with this Mandela effect. Are we living in different realities? Have realities flexed? Are we going across, you know, dimensional changes? But I'm telling you, it is either the largest Photoshop hoax in the history of man, or there's a lot of people that are imagining themselves standing in front of a statue that just isn't there, George.
0: Amazing stuff.